You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number three of the fall sessions this is a good one guys uh and today's topic of conversation it's simply one thing it is mature bucks now you're going to hear some facts in this the uh that you may not like and the fact of the matter is is if you've ever said a mature buck in my area is a three-year-old that is not an accurate statement. It is an impossibility. Number one, a whitetail buck does not reach maturity until it's a four-year-old. Just like a 12-year-old is not a teenager, okay? is A 12-year-old is not a man. It's not a mature adult. So we talk about what a mature whitetail is by by definition what a mature whitetail is and it's very simple it's a four-year-old and so there's a lot of people out there who say well a mature buck in my area is a three-year-old no it's not nope nope uh you don't have any mature bucks in your area if if that's what the case is cases and i cite the people who have told me this right it's it's straight up deer biology it's not it's not uh it is a solid definition and that's what we talk about today uh the other thing that we talk about in today's episode is mature buck behavior what characteristics a mature buck has versus a a younger buck what characteristics a mature buck in michigan has uh in than a mature buck in iowa what characteristics um does a mature buck who is heavily pressured have as opposed to a a mature buck that is not pressured right and so how do we kill a mature buck how do we how do we outsmart them these are the topics of conversation in today's episode and it's a really good conversation man i i enjoyed having uh, aaron on on this episode and would love uh, 
to, to hear your guys' thoughts on this, um, on these this series that we're doing. So uh, hit me up on Instagram or whatever. Now, here's the deal. Um, I want this to be interactive, right? So like I said, hit me up on Instagram. Um, hit Aaron up with any questions, comments uh, that you guys have. And uh, let's, let's spark some conversation. You know, let's, let's uh, I don't know, let's move the needle, <laughs> whatever that means. All right. Um, by the way, uh, my baseball team, the baseball team that we coached tonight, uh, we were down 2-0. Then we came back and tied it up. Then we came, uh, yeah, came back and tied it up. Then we got up four to two and then the last inning it was just kind of a oh no type moment like so many errors <laughs> so many errors and the head coach was getting frustrated I was getting frustrated the team was getting frustrated and uh, that is in itself like you know anything can happen in youth sports but it was just like I don't know. You, you you put a lot of weight on an eight-year-old to make these these plays when the, they're you know under heavy pressure, and they just didn't do it. And so it's hard to watch in the dugout and just watch everything unfold. It's nuts, man. But uh, we had fun, and I, as hopefully they can they can rebound because we have another game tomorrow. And uh, anyway, I, I, like I said in an earlier podcast, man, I really enjoy coaching. And um, it's just too bad that a coach can't play the game for you. You know what I mean? Because I, I wanted to get out there as, as bad as these guys did and catch the pop flies for them or whatever. But, you know, you can't do it. So it's a learning experience, just like hunting mature bucks. So, all right, commercial time. Uh, I'm going to run through these very quickly. If you're looking for a saddle, you got to check out Tethered. Awesome community, awesome information about how to... Um, become a better saddle hunter on top of that they have the gear that you need saddles platforms climbing sticks and all the accessories wasp archery discount code nfc20 for 20 percent off uh, wasparchery.com go check out their full lineup of uh, mechanicals and fixed blades a majority of their heads are still made in the united states vortex optics man if you're looking for a rangefinder spotting scope you know, it's t- it's uh, it's time. They're, they're actually, I'm looking at my piece of paper here. Uh, Vortex Optics is going to be dropping some new gear, so look for uh, an updated how to or uh, a hunting gear podcast coming up where we talk about the new SKUs coming out of Vortex, and uh, you know, and also be sure you're checking out their VIP warranty, VortexOptics.com. Hunt stand. If you're looking for a hunting app and you've never used one before, or maybe you've used one and then let it expire, go check out Hunting Stand. Tons of fun- functionality, tons of functionality at a very affordable price, man. So go to HuntStand.com, read up on all that functionality, and then uh, download it for free and uh, mess around with it. And I think you, you're, you're definitely gonna gonna like it. Last but not least, the Habitat tool that everybody needs in their truck the woodman's pal uh this machete slash hook slash chopping it's just like it's heavy duty machete that can be used to chop down small trees or big trees if you put enough effort into it uh small trees 
twigs, branches, cut shooting ling, you know, hack trails, you know, anything you need to use it for, you can use it out in the woods. And it's uh, one of those good, th- good things to have in your pack or leave in your truck whenever you need it. So go check out woodmanspal.com and read up how this is an American-made company that was started in 1941. So these guys have been around for a very long time, and uh, it's awesome doing business with them. So go check it out. And that's it. I got two, two new companies coming up, uh, one June 1st and one July 1st. And so uh, let's get the party started with today's third installment of the fall sessions here we go three two one all right i believe this is episode number three of the fall sessions with aaron here aaron man how has uh your last week been been good it's been good uh other than the weather a little bit here in michigan it's just uh it's gotten cold man like today i think it was down to 33 this morning and it's only supposed to get up to about 58. It's been the last two days. It's windy, and I'm like, shit, man. I thought yeah. it was supposed to be summer. We're coming out of this. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will tell you this, though. So this, I'm a hooded sweatshirt guy. And this morning, it was mid, low to mid-50s. And the high today is supposed to be 75 with, a, with 31% humidity. So it's real low. And... Mm-hmm. I could live in an environment like that all year, like just really cool mornings and then warmer afternoons and then down into cooler nights. And dude, I, I, dude, I would love to live in something like that. I'm right there with you, man. I, I, I turn the AC on in the house just so I can wear a sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> I just love wearing, wearing hoodies. So there you go. yeah, I I'm, I'm glad I'm not, not, not out in Iowa in the summers, like uh, Kansas and Iowa, because it gets, so hot out there Brutal. i've been out there scouting whitetails and doing stuff like in the past and i'm like the falls are nice to live out there but man the summers suck <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know if you've ever been to like the prairie states and i've i've had a couple uh encounters with let's say in western south dakota and specifically in nebraska where it was 95 degrees very little shade in the areas that i was at in these grasslands and it just it, in Iowa, you can go find a shade tree or something. Even mm-hmm. in the the biggest egg country, there's some place you can get out of the sun. But right. out there, man, it just it is brutal. The heat is brutal, and it it's consistent. And there's no way. Like, I mean, I just feel sorry for these animals that just have evolved to take that. You know, they just take it. Well, and that's the thing. Like, it's just crazy how, you know they you know god made them back in the day yeah. that like they had to withstand every situation and with whitetails they're the most adaptive mm-hmm. you know creature and animal out there it's just wild that they can live in so many different habitats it's, yeah. it's crazy yeah or even down in the southwest for some of these coos deer and mule deer where it's like 110 during the day and then yeah. it's 30 degrees at night and so the the temperature swings just go are so are so wild and and the mm-hmm. wind out out west and things like that. So, all right, uh, we're gonna get to the topic at hand here in a second. But i i had I had a something happen to me over the last week, and I want to talk to you about it. It's kind of funny. Do you ever get in conversations with people? Let's say like at uh, at uh, at your kid's school 
or maybe it's one of your wife's friends, husbands, or acquaintances or something like that. And they are also hunters, but they don't, they don't know how serious you are about hunting. And so they will start talking like they're good or they are, um, they know a lot or they're knowledgeable <laughs> and things like that. Have, do you ever run into s- situations like that? I do, man. And it's all the time. Mm-hmm. Like it's, if I don't know the person, it's, it seems like it's everyone that I don't know that just brings up hunting and, and they may, they might not even know, like, you know, how serious of a hunter I am. I feel like it's all the time. And, and honestly, I have to go into it with a, I have to be cognizant of going into a situation like that because I don't want to sound like I am above, above them at any, any facet at all. Cause that's not what I'm trying to do. Like, you know, and, and then I might take it to the extreme the other way of being almost like Captain Obvious, yeah. you know, and that might come off a little negative or, yeah. you know, also, but yeah, man, I run into that a lot. What, what was your encounter you just had with someone? My encounter was at a kid's event and uh, one of the, one of the wives knew that I had a podcast about deer hunting and she introduced me to her husband and he was, you know, like, Hey, uh, D- Dan deer hunts just like you do. And so you're talking with him and he's like, yeah, every year we do, you know, we, we get together for shotgun season. We do deer drives and it's like, okay, well you, you don't really do what I do. Right. <laughs> and so, and he starts talking about, you know, yeah, you know, I, uh, I'm okay. I, I shot, I, I fill my tag every year shooting, shooting some deer and whatnot. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, he starts talking about, oh yeah, my buddy, and he uh, he lets me come on his property and and start talking about. He starts talking about management bucks and calling deer and things like that. And this guy obviously doesn't know that I talk with wildlife biologists and um, scientists and people who do research on this stuff, and so the reason I brought this up is because I got frustrated. Like this guy was talking adamantly about knowing all of this stuff. And I checked him and it it sounds like, it sounds like, Oh, Dan's an asshole. Why didn't you just let it go? But he was talking about, Oh yeah, we like to shoot all the a pointers. So to get that genetic out of the pool. And so I simply went, Hey, did you know, that calling deer does not work in a wild environment. He's like, hmm, of course it does, right? And I said, <laughs> actually, scientific research done by, and then I mentioned Bronson Strickland, I mentioned um, uh, Matt Ross from the uh, NDA, and like all this stuff, and, I, and he's like, really? Are you, no, you can't be serious. And so I started dropping, I just dropped a whole bunch of like knowledge on him, not necessarily trying to undercut him. And then he starts to find out in mid conversation that I do know what I'm talking about. I did the old, like, he's like, so what kind of deer do you shoot in a year? In a year? And I start going through my pictures on my phone. I go, well, I shot this guy last year. He was a four-year-old. He was living in this and that. And then he, then he starts to realize like, I'm outmatched here. Right. And so I'm going to shut up and I, I didn't do it to be an asshole. I did it because I'm sick of, I was sick of people just saying the wrong thing all the time. And so I, 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 I subtly just 
I, I eased into it. I didn't call him a dumbass right away. I just kind of went, hey, did you know? And then I started sharing information. And, and, uh, and so uh, I just was curious if you had any type of uh, encounters like that. I do, man. And honestly, like, it's hard for me to, um, you know, I'm so, I'm so invested in deer hunting. It's, mm-hmm. it's deer hunting literally 365 days. I talk right. about deer, do something deer for deer for every day of the year. And, um, it's hard for me to like come down on that level, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just like, Hey, it's fall time. It's kind of how I feel about like when turkey season comes around. Like I don't get excited with turkey season until about yeah the week that turkeys start gobbling and yeah. and seasons come. And so, like on the flip side, like that's I have family members that are like that. You know that it's like oh it's deer season. We'll get the bow out and you know we'll yeah. we'll uh, we'll just go sit in a tree and and that stuff like that. It's hard for me to um, accept that. I guess mm-hmm. you know I, and it's really cool that you're doing it, but like there's, you know, for the guy that just kind of goes out and sits the first time and, you know, maybe not takes care of his, his gear and stuff like that and goes out and kills like a giant. And I look at that guy and I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, really? You just tripped into one and now yeah. like now, you're now on you're... a podcast, <laughs> you know, now like, you got a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, gosh, you know, like there's more to it than just, you know, that uh, yeah. it really is. And I want to trip into a big deer every once in a while too, but yeah. I put in so much time and effort, man. I just can't accept the, the fair weather bandwagon people, whatever you might call them. Yeah. Uh, who, who are the, fl- like the flash in the pan. Right. So I know a guy who one year he killed a 188 inch giant. I mean, this thing is very impressive. It's like a typical 12. I mean, it's huge. And he, when I, when I start talking to him and it's the only big mature buck that has ever, he's ever killed. And, and so anytime I talk with him, he starts to flex that number. Like that number means something in, in a, in a list of, Hey, I shot a big antler deer. Therefore I know how to kill giant whitetails all the time. Well, if you knew that, or it gives him the right to talk to everybody else like he is this this knowledge point for for mm-hmm. whitetails, and I just laugh. I just you know I I don't ever break him down like I did that this guy because I know him. I don't ever break him down, but I oh geez, it, it's just it's it's funny listening to people like that talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and, and being a podcast podcaster, podcast host, mm-hmm. it's hard to hard to vet those guys out. Like yeah. you talk about the guy that you kind of threw some knowledge bombs on. It's like that guy you look at like a social feed he might have. He might have three, four big deer, but then you know they were. You find out they were shot on a deer drive with with a gun, yep. and it's like, well, that's really that's really that's neat, you know, and that's really cool. But 
that's not what we're trying to portray here and yeah. trying to like get out to the listener, right. you know? So it's like really hard vetting those guys out sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And this is kind of a good segue into what I want to talk about today. And that is just mature bucks. Okay. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily, I mean, we can tie in what we've already talked about, like the locations, right. Uh, and, and things like that. But I want to talk about, I want this this conversation to really focus on deer behavior and mature buck behavior and how once you identify that it might allow you to be to to find more success on a mature buck if you have a mature buck in your area. And so like I said to you before we started recording, I think the best thing to do is identify what a mature buck is. So why don't I'm going to pass it to you and I want you to ex- to explain what you feel or what you know a mature buck is. Yeah, and and I'm not probably going to be throwing out like biology terms here cuz I'm just just in my opinion what I feel like a mature whitetail is is um you know that the deer has to be at least 4 plus years old. Mm-hmm. I don't care where you're at in the country. I live in here in Michigan. I'm killing two and three year olds and I still don't think those are mature deer, you know, cause, um, I think they have to be at least four plus years old and, you know, they, they have to, they have to carry themselves as far as like, you know, somewhat of an alpha, you know, like when they, when you see them, you just know, you just look at it. It's like, that's almost a different animal. That's, that's, they carry themselves different. They, they, uh, they treat the herd a little different. You know what I mean? And you can just tell they have an aura. If you look at enough of them, they have an aura about them. Like I'm, I'm at the top of the packing order here, Yeah. you know? So, and it's dumbest form, I guess. That is what I kind of look at as like a mature whitetail. Yep. And I will now drop some biology on, on this conversation because I've talked to enough people like Bronson Strickland, like uh, Andy Ross, like uh, guys who raise deer, uh, like Sam Calora. I don't if you guys mm-hmm. aren't if you guys aren't familiar with who Sam Calora is, do some research. The guy, I think he just killed his fourth two hundred incher uh, this this year, or this past year. I don't know if I'm he's the one that killed shipwreck. Yep, he's the guy who killed shipwreck. Not only does he raise deer, um, he has a company where he uh, collects deer urine and sells the deer urine. Uh, he's been around deer. He's been around mature deer. And so from a biology standpoint, a mature whitetail is a four-year-old or older. And it is because at that age, their skeletal system stops growing and they they are the biggest that they're going to be as far as height and width. Now, depending on where they are in the country, uh, food source has a lot to do with that about how much they will weigh. All right. And just, and, and there's a lot of genetics in there. Shipwreck was actually a very short deer. And if you were to look at him, he looked like a pit bull of sorts. He was really heavy up front. And he, I mean, he just was like a bodybuilder. It's just short and, and not very big in the body. I would say his biggest year, maybe it was 225 on, on the hoof. I mean, just not a big deer, but he had just killer genetics in the antler department. And so this is, this is something that hard, is hard for some people to hear is 
there is no what is a mature buck in my area because that's the wrong question to ask because the 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 definition doesn't change if there like if you hunt in a state where a like you feel a mature buck is a three-year-old that's not true a three-year-old is not a mature buck it is the oldest deer on by average in your area but it is not a mature a mature whitetail so there's a there's a hard definition there that I feel a lot of people, especially on the East Coast, unfortunately, who are who feel like, oh, dude, I I, I shoot a three year old every year. Um, well, we don't see many four year olds. So then you've never seen, you, you have never seen, or you've never shot a mature deer, from a from a standpoint. And that's not me trying to say, hey, look at me, I'm in Iowa, we have mature deer all over. No, it's because you have a lower age, uh, average age class in the state that you hunt and i'm not i'm just spitting facts here i'm not trying to like brag or anything so i don't know that's that's i mean that's just the facts that's the truth on something like that no i agree and like i said i'm the perfect example here in michigan you know i'm trying to kill a three-year-old i mean Mm -hmm. i'd love to kill a four-year-old but when a three-year-old comes by i'm gonna shoot him but like like i said earlier it doesn't matter where you're in the country like I, you know, and I've been victim of it too. It's like, man, that's a really good representation for the area. Like it is, but I'm trying to kill the top 10% of the bucks that I have. That is a three-year-old. And then you might get an anomaly. That's a four-year-old. That's, that's the way it is. But I agree with you. The definition that deer has to be four or older to, to be, uh, to be considered a mature deer. Yeah. All right. So, so we've kind of, we've kind of talked about the definition there. Now I want to talk about characteristics. And I feel like the characteristics, this, this is where it kind of gets difficult because I feel in some senses, uh, a three-year-old in Michigan could potentially be harder to kill than a four-year-old or five-year-old in Iowa. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's not, doesn't have anything to do with really maturity. It, it just has something to do with the amount of pressure throughout the year that those deer have. What are your thoughts on that? hundred percent. They're dealing with the animals around here, dealing with different fa- or not, I shouldn't say different factors, more factors, more value variables, yep. you know, you know, where I killed my, my Iowa deer. Um, the only people I would see on the road for 10 days was the mailman or a farmer here i'm hunting areas where i can hear a highway Mm -hmm. or i can hear you know cars going by all the time dogs barking stuff like that like it's just that alone the variables that they deal with on a day-to-day basis three-year-olds in a lot of sense could be harder to kill in an area like this than a four-year-old maybe where you're at yeah yeah absolutely now does that make that deer mature because it 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 has to go through more things no i feel like the environment is the cause of that mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. i agree so yeah. okay um and so now let's talk a little bit about because i feel like a pressured a pressured three-year-old i'm back up one more step 
Have you ever ran in to, in Michigan, a four, a five, or six-year-old, mature, actually mature whitetail while hunting? Uh, two of them that I know of for sure. Okay. Um, And one I killed, the other one I shot and couldn't find, bad shot or whatnot, and yeah. then ended up dying uh, later that year and then confirmed. Okay. And they were, they were both... They're both four-year-olds. Four-year-olds, okay. So yep. you 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 have two four-year-olds under your belt as far as encounters in Michigan. Talk to us about what was different about those deer compared to just a year younger as the average three-year-old that you typically see. So I'm going to talk about the first one that I that I did shoot and 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 ultimately didn't get. You know, that morning, and and I watched him a lot. I watched him for three years grow up mm-hmm. as far as, like, you know, I, I knew his four-year-old just based on trail cam history I had. I had four years of trail cams with him because he would only grow one side really good, and then the, the other side was was just – he had some pedicle issues with his, with his skull and stuff like that, and the one side was – every year it was just a spike. Um, for four years. I mean, even if, even his first rack was the same way. So I got to watch him grow up. And honestly, man, the biggest thing like that I can tell with that deer is he was such a loner. Mm-hmm. He did not want to evolve him or involve himself with any other deer. It seemed like, and you know, that really started taking effect when he was three, I thought like where I'd get so many summer pictures of him. And he wouldn't be with any other deer, it seemed like. There would be, like, you know, and, and you would see, like, deer on bean fields, like, in the background. But they were almost, like, looking in, like, when's he, you know, when's he going to move? You know, when's he not, not going to sit there in front of the camera? Like, because a lot of times I like to put him on inside corners of bean fields. And he'd just mow on this inside corner all these beans. And then when he'd move off, more deer would come in. It was it was totally apparent. Yeah. And when he turned four, and I never had an encounter with him until I shot him that day. So, it was a cold front early October and uh, it was in the morning. So I'm sitting on an inside corner and I look up and he's at 400 yards and he comes out of the, the timber and I'm like, Oh my gosh. And so he started to work this field edge and he just had like how I said, like he's just got an aura about him. Mm-hmm. His, his neck, you know, it almost looked like his, he just had like a, like a front chest that was just like, man, you hit, you hit him with a truck and it probably wouldn't phase him, you yeah. know, just a big burly deer. Um, he looked muscular, you know, but he, every step was calculated. He never ran. He would, he would take a couple steps and he'd look around. He'd make sure the wind was in the direction and he'd go out of his way to hook around to get the wind right. Cause he wanted to come over to me and he ultimately ended up doing that. It's just crazy how I feel like every step that those deer make are calculated and are thought out very well, yeah. you know, cause they've been around a couple of years, you know, yeah. and it's, um, that would be the biggest difference I've seen here. Now a three-year-old, you're going to skit a lot of the same tendencies. You know, I've, I, I pull my hair out trying to kill three-year-olds around here because, you know, like we said, the variables, you know, you're going to get a, you're going to get a, a three-year-old that can be really educated. Like a four-year-old could be, um, and they do things very calculated as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. However, I will say this, uh, three-year-olds in Iowa 
if you're not careful, uh, let's say, hey, I want to, my goal every year is a four-year-old. Three-year-olds in Iowa, like, are, 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 there is a noticeable difference between a three and a four-year-old in Iowa. Okay. Sure. And the reason I say that is because I can rattle in a hundred three-year-olds in a year. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's just, I'm not, that has nothing to do with antler size. Just they are more of a teenager who gets their first boner. And that's what makes them so easy to kill. Now, when you start to get into this four-year-old, four-year-old range, I've found that rattling usually doesn't work uh, for, for a four-year-old. It's more of a, I have to be the best hunter that I can be and get into, in, into just grunt range. And the way to get them close for me is if they're outside of a shooting range is just the one. And then they get curious. They're like, hey, what, what's going on here? That's usually how I can get a, four, a four-year-old to come in. Um, or maybe a snort wheeze or something like that. And even then, kind of going back to this, how they carry themselves. Man, every mature buck that I've ever seen has not been in a, in a group. He's been, uh, unless, unless he's been chasing, you know, chasing. Uh, in 2020, I shot uh, a four-year-old that was chasing a doe. And that's how I shot mm-hmm. him. But outside of that, they've been by themselves. And what I mean by themselves, there may have been other deer in the general area, but he's these deer are not hanging out with other deer. Mm-hmm. And... Th- that is a, in my opinion, that's a big indicator. Like, I feel like a three-year-old hangs around with some spikes or some younger deer. They they all kind of, they tolerate each other and things like that. But just watching a mature buck come into a field and all the other deer, like when you put, uh, there's like that uh, little science experiment where you put oil and salt and pepper or uh, pepper yep. in a bowl of water, and then you put that bar of soap in the metal and all the, it all goes like that. Everything goes away from it. That's the perfect example of what a dominant buck will do in a scenario, in a scenario like that deer, other deer leave. And when he goes, then they just kind of absorb back into the area. And I think it's because they're so social. They understand, understand that, that pecking order. Yeah, and I think that's why you get a lot of like you know you hear a lot of guys talk about well I, I killed this buck on the farm and then this other deer just moved in this other yeah. big deer. Yeah. I think that's why you get a lot of that is like, you know, all, a lot of those deer are getting kicked out of different areas because there's a buck usually there already that is this is his ground and he doesn't want to be around, you know, anyone. Um, I will go back and say like I've killed five bucks that I know for a fact are four plus years old. Mm -hmm. All of those deer, except one, the one I killed in Iowa, I I watched him for, you know, two days chasing a doe. Like, so he was with other deer that way, but the other four were all alone Mm -hmm. all by themselves when I killed them, you know? And, um, the, and, and a lot of guys that we talked to on the podcast too, it's like, you know, those deer, it just seems like the more mature upper echelon deer, they're just, they just want to be left alone. Yeah. They're just don't, don't, don't mess with me kind of thing. And that plays a little bit into 
my strategy to where, and we talked about this uh, earlier from stand location standpoint, I'm not trying to see a ton of deer. Like my goal, if I if my goal is to shoot a mature buck, I want to be in much, like, I don't care if I, if I go into a set and I, I, I strike out that night and I get skunked and I don't see a single deer because I know that the other deer and that just tells me I'm probably based off of my experiences, I'm probably closer to that deer than I think, right? They're, they're just kind of chilling. They're by themselves. They don't like to be bothered. They're, 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 they may or may not be using the same food source or could be the same food source, but just a different little area of that, that let's say a destination food source or an Oak flat or something like that. Yeah. I, 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 I would agree with that as well. I mean, yeah, I really can't elaborate too much more on that. You hit the nail on the head, I think. Yeah. Okay. So what is it about, uh, a mature buck that makes them hard to kill. They've, well, I mean, you know, stating the obvious, they've just been around for so long and they just, they just know, you know, I almost equate it to like, you know, like when you have, let's say you have a lab dog, Mm -hmm. you know, a chocolate lab or whatever kind of, I've had labs my whole life. So um, usually how it goes is when that lab starts getting older, usually the family gets another dog because it's easier on the family but it's also that dog i've seen it you know firsthand that dog will train the other dog mm-hmm. you know in a, in a sense it's like a big brother kind of thing i think a lot of it is too you know when you have i think i think some mature deer are you know see how or some some of the less mature deer see how these mature deer are you know, working and how they do things. And it's kind of, they catch on to that, but also it's just, they are so, I don't know, man. It's just that they're so calculated. They are so Mm -hmm. every step they, they just have to be calculated. They have to, they, and I think it is just age. You just get wiser with age, you know, and and they've been around so many scenarios. How many times do you think, like you just said, you know, you could rattle in a hundred three-year-olds in a year. Like, yeah, that is true. Like, how many times do you think a three-year-old is going to get rattled in when he's four years old? He and, and then in those hundred times, he's probably getting shot at a couple times. Yeah. You know, maybe he's been shot over his back, or maybe he's been hit, and he just like that's that's all teaching that deer something. Yeah. You know, and how many hunters you got out there? One of those you know hundred three-year-olds or whatever is going to blow at a hunter. Is going to he's going to smell a gas pump. He's going to smell something the cat on your freaking camel or something everything is educating these deer and they're they're so smart you know and i just think they with age they get wiser um so i think that would be what i would say for it so my my top reason is patience and they care like just like you said they carry themselves but they are not they don't they're never quick to judge anything and the reason i say that is is or or time of year has a lot to do with that yes do you i i feel there's still a pecking order there's still you know uh deer showing their dominance but a true like dominant whitetail does not need to fight 
He do, he doesn't. He just walks into a scenario. Maybe he'll put his ears back. He'll take two sideways steps, and the rest of the deer are like, oh, "I'm done. I'm done with this guy." But here's a couple scenarios that I really feel showcase a mature buck's behavior. And the first one I've seen a hundred times, uh, just because I've spent a lot of time in a tree stand. Okay, maybe not a hundred, but a lot of times. And that is, you're in a good spot. All of a sudden, a doe group comes out, or, or you see maybe you see the mature buck first. And it's late October, or hell, it could even be early November. And you're thinking, oh my God, this buck is going to come right to these does. And he doesn't, right? He's still by himself. He's still maybe over on a different part of the ridge. He looks at him. He goes back to eating acorns or he's making a rub or a scrape or what, or he's just chilling. Okay. He knows when those does are going to be bred. And he knows that that three-year-old that's bugging him right now is easy to peel off and he will win that battle and he will go. And whether that's a five-year-old or, uh, you know, an eight-year-old or whatever the scenario may be, he's in charge, man. Like he is in in charge, and he he can go and, and take care of that, uh, and he knows he you know it's it's what's that uh, that saying like there's a young bull and an old bull on top of a hill, and the young bull goes, hey let's run down there right now and go bang one of those cows, and the old old bull goes why don't we walk down and bang them all. And so, you know, like that, that whole patience thing. Yep. Um, the second is just, I had an opportunity one year to walk. I was on, I was in a big timber scenario and that kind of led up. I mean, it was a big block of timber, but it was in ag country. Okay. Along a, a river, uh, like a river bottom type scenario, but I was on the, the hills coming up and I got in there before dark, good access route. I didn't feel like I busted any deer. Sun starts to come up and I, you know, I, I, there was a couple deer that came through, but I was able to see the next ridge and the next ridge, all of a sudden I caught some movement. And this is one of the only time, like I, I very rarely hunt all day, but I was so enthralled with what this buck was doing that. I stood, I just stayed and watched him all day. He, he was bedded when I caught like the sun kind of glistening off his antlers and he turned his head and he was in a, in a bed at the end of a ridge and kind of like a blown down tree, like what you would think of where you would think a big buck would bed. And he just sat there and it was already, he was already bedded and it as you know, before dark or before the sunrise, he sat there. All day long, he stood up, uh, I would say, around 11, between 11 and noon. He walked 40 yards, munched on some leaves, and bedded down again. About 2.30, he stood back up. He walked almost back to the same bed, same area, munched on a couple stuff, and bedded right back down. And he stayed there on, until I couldn't see him anymore, until dark. Mm-hmm. And so that's a perfect example of what 
this, I'm guessing him to be a six-year-old. I mean, huge body. Just, you'd look at him and he was just, you know, just in charge. And so the next year I went over there and I, in that whole area was just rubs and like old rubs, just ton, tons of rubs. And I feel like that is a perfect, like a perfect example of what a mature buck does throughout the day. There's no, there's no rush for them ever. Yeah. And, and I think it kind of stems back. I agree with everything you said. It kind of stems back to being like, there may be some deer out there that are born that are just like patient mm-hmm. deer, but I think that goes to the years of them getting shot at getting blown or like blowing a hunter. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, like you said, you know, the three-year-old, just about every three-year-old is going to run around or two-year-old and going to run around and try to screw every doe herd. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they're going to do. Like that's what their body's telling them to do. When you're a four plus old deer, your body tells you, it's like us walking into a bar, literally having the mindset and knowing whatever woman is in here, I can just go up and grab her hand and we're going home. She can't say no. Yeah. Because both of their bodies are telling them to, to procreate and to keep our kind going. Yep. We have to do this. Like yep. we have to, yeah. you know? Um, and I think I agree with you. Like, I think as they get older and their body, they just learn like, cause Obviously, they can't go to school. They can't talk. They can't. Obviously, that's the obvious. So something has to tell them how to do all that. And that's, I think that's how it all, what it all boils down to. And, um, yeah, I agree. Like, the whole analogy of, like, oh, that deer is going to come over here. And, you know, nine out of ten times, they don't do that. Yeah. You know, they don't. And the other thing is, like, I agree with you on the the calling part of things. Like, how many times have, have you called and, like, blind rattled or something and then just an absolute pig of a deer runs out of the corner or something it was like boom where's it at he's not looking for a fight like they're they are more like yeah i remember this this one instance this deer had to be at least five years old maybe six low 170s just a big burly deer and he's he's down the crp bottom and he's probably 200 yards from me i'm like i'm throwing the kitchen sink at him I'm rattling. He'd stop. He'd look up at me. I'd snort, wheeze, everything. And he just walked. I watched him walk for 300 yards. Didn't give a shit about me. Yep. You know, and he's just like, I don't, I don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's wild how that, how their bodies tell them to do that. But the next day you do that and they might come running up there. Mm-hmm. They might've, they might've got ticked off the day before or that night or something like that. And now he's in a different mood. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it all depends. Yeah. The next thing that kind of really stands out for me is whenever there is a sliver of danger, what these what these animals will do. Oh yeah. I think a lot of deer will just run. A lot of deer will just run. But I've had two scenarios where one of them the wind shifted and he caught me. The other one was he saw like a coyote or, or maybe it was, yeah, I want to say it was a coyote um, or two or three coyotes on a, on a, I was in the middle of this big CRP field where shipwreck was at. And this, this, I think it was five-year-old eight pointer, just a big body bastard. He was on, he was on one side of the ridge and then there was a low spot. And then there was all these coyotes on the other. In both those scenarios, 
those bucks stopped moving instantly and did not move. And in both scenarios, stayed perfectly still for one whole hour. Do you think as a predator, we could stay still, like not moving perfectly still for one whole hour? No way. (laughs) No way I could could stand still for one whole hour. These bucks did not move. And I, you don't see that with, and, and that goes with does too, like a mature doe will, will do that. But she, she's standing perfectly still while the younger deer around her are nibbling on the ground and things like that. Uh, I don't see spikes, fork horns, you know, two-year-olds. The three-year-olds, they're starting to get it, but they still, they're kind of dumb. And the patience they have right there is what keeps them alive. And what keeps yeah. keeps them getting older, and so it's just uh, that scenario alone is just very impressive to see once you start to observe deer behavior and understand why they're doing it. I don't know. I just well, it even goes to like when you watch a watch a big mature deer on a doe. Mm-hmm. How many how many times have you seen a a, a doe? You you can definitely tell he's with her. Okay, mm-hmm. and you see a doe just kind of you know, runs across the field and he might lose track of her, mm-hmm. but he'll sit there and watch her and mm-hmm. watch her and watch her. And then she gets out of sight and then he'll start moving a little bit. He might trot a little bit, then he's going to walk. And it's not like he's, he's, you know, when, when I think that the rut is completely full blown is when you see a mature deer, absolutely dogging a doe. Yeah. Like, like running around like running from one goal line to the next like Mm -hmm. he cannot like let her go and that is when i think it is like it is on yeah you know and when he's just kind of nudging her and looking and just kind of i'll be there you know he's got nobody else to worry about he might have to run another deer off but that's his doe and then just as much as a mature buck chooses a doe that doe i think chooses that buck they they're like again their body tells them like that's who I need to mate with, yeah. you know? So yeah. I think, um, the cool, the, the cool thing about that is wouldn't it be cool? This just popped in my head. Wouldn't it be cool to see a family tree of if this buck and this doe made multiple babies throughout the year and what those babies turned into. And it's almost like a, uh, a, a family tree, of deer like i want to see all of shipwrecks offspring and what they turned yeah. into i want to see uh this buck who i followed for four years or five or three years or whatever i want to see what what doe he bred with was it the same doe and if uh what offspring came from that and so i i, I don't know that would be that would be very interesting to see and i bet in certain areas the same doe breeds the same buck if if they're not getting shot and there's not a lot of pressure that i bet you that happens quite a bit and that was going to be my next question when you kind of brought that thought to my head is like i wonder how like how many areas if they don't get shot how many years would a buck breed the same doe yeah you know if they're if they're on like kind of the hierarchy if mm-hmm. they're the the in the pecking order if they're on the doe side, she's the mature one and he's the mature one on the buck side. Like, 
how many how many years would they breed each other you know yeah. if they're still alive that i think that'd be cool to see yeah i'll tell you this man um they have a sense that is more they also they have a sense that is more than smell it's more than sight. It's more than the senses that we're used to. I, if, if you told me if there was scientific research that, how do I put this? If scientific research done and all of a sudden we were able to identify some kind of extra sense that animals or, uh, white tails have that we can't understand because we don't have those senses, I would believe it. Mm -hmm. You know, like however, how many times have you ever been in a tree and maybe it's a mature buck, maybe it's just a deer in general comes in and just is like, he's on a path. He's real calm and collective. He comes in and he just, you watch them change once they get close to you, even though you know, your wind is going away from them in some way, shape or form. And it's just, they have something, uh, I, I believe that, that they know what's wrong with their bedroom or their, you know, it's like you, you ever walk into a house and you're like, man, that's a weird feeling. I feel like someone's been here or someone's in here right now. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I think we put off some sort of magnetic force or oh, something yeah. well, i don't know what it is i agree with you like uh I, I i look back at the deer now other than the deer did see my sticks on my tree yeah but it, it, it he got to 11 yards and he's like you can see it on camera he stops and it's like and then he goes like this yep. and i'm like oh my gosh like he just looks right at mm-hmm. me and i'm like thank god i was already at full draw yep but it was just something was like in in when you watch him walk in he walks in so calculated he'll walk 10 yards and stop and he just scans yep. and i think what he's doing he was trying to get the wind right licking his nose a lot you know trying to wet his nose and then he gets to about 22 yards stops again looks again because he's about ready to get in the bubble of this secondary ridge i was on mm-hmm. where there is scrapes everywhere you know and what he was doing he's going to hit the staging area or the secondary ridge and see who the hell was there and he was just trying to smell for that. Yep. And when he got to 11 yards is when he was like, that's not, something's not right. And he goes, boom. And he looks and he can see my sticks. And then he goes, boom, right at me. And I just, you know, thank God I was at full draw. But yep. it is crazy, man, what we can, there's something we put off, yeah. you know. Yep. Same same thing happened to me in 2012, man. Uh, I snort wheezed in this. He's probably a six-year-old. Um, he got, like, I drew back. And then he took a hard 90 degrees turn right towards the base of my tree. And he saw my bottom step and did the same thing. Followed him up, looked up at me. And right as I let go, right as I let go, he was loaded. He was loading. So I was aiming right here for his chest. He's probably at 10 yards. And he his head stayed up. And I shot him, this sounds bad, shot him through the nostril, arrow went down his throat because his head was up, and he died. Like, I cut his jugular, I cut off his uh, esophagus, oh gosh. His, his throat, like, everything just tore up. And just wow. imagine swallowing a broadhead is what happened there. <laughs> oh, man. And, and he died in, like, 60 yards. It was, wow. it was, it was bananas. Anyway, so... 
Now, we've kind of talked about their behavior, what a big, what a, what a mature buck is. What have you found has been the best way to get in that bow hunting shooting range of a, of a mature whitetail? Man, that's so, so loaded in a mm. way, just because every scenario is so different. I'm going to try to try to pick out some points from all the ones that I've been with. And I've filmed a lot of deer, you know, a lot of mature deer get shot too. Um, you know, it's tough. It's, it's so situational, but I will say in situational on, on the fact of like seasonality too, mm-hmm. you know, if it's like a food based thing or, you know, if it's, um, if it's a scrape thing or a staging area or something like that, but in general, I mean, getting as, as, as elementary as it sounds is, is getting as close to where their bedroom is, is, is probably the best move. If you want a generality, um, you know, I'm just trying to think here. So, you know, I've killed one of my mature bucks was on food in October. Um, you know, and one was on a staging area late, uh, or yeah, late, uh, October one was in the rut chasing deer. So I've got like a whole gamut. Um, but honestly, like my favorite one, let's go that route. My favorite one was that late October, you know, staging area, getting them coming right out of bed, coming up a a drainage and getting him kind of honestly out of all the deer that I've killed, he acted the most dumb. And I mean that in the most like respectful and smart way, because he was very smart about it, but he almost was like, I've done this a lot. And I have yet to get, I've yet to get busted. I'm good here. And then when he got into range, like I said, he was already, and then he was like, Oh nope, I've, I've came too far. And then it was over, you know, that one felt like I've outwitted. I outwitted the, uh, a a mature deer at, in his bedroom. You know, was that a first time in hunt for you? Yep. I hung it. I hung it and I hung it, Dan, I hung it an hour and a half before I killed him right there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, that that is there's such importance there that dude like they're comfortable when they're when they do the same thing over and over they get comfortable because they know right they have all their senses they've evolved they they know how to use their senses but if you're walking the same path day 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 boom they're comfortable and but the, if you if if it would have been flipped you got busted and you tried to hunt that same area again, I, I, the, the, the chance of killing that buck goes down so much if they've caught your scent in there and their behavior changes, their personality changes. And they, you know, there's a chance they just either avoid that area altogether or just move. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, that's, you know, that's the, that's the cool thing about it is like going in there first sit, you know, hanging it killing him an hour and a half later was like i i beat you yeah in in your home turf like that that was the coolest thing and um but yeah to go back to your question i would say like a staging area you know late october is is on a primary scrape or something like that is is probably the highest percentage you know and you could go to say like more mature deer get killed in the rut because you know they're dumb mm-hmm. but i would say a high percentage opportunity is that late october in a staging area or you know over that primary scrape with historical data something like that yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh for for me I feel and this this is one thing that I've had to learn the hard way over the years is allowing a scenario where a deer can get downwind of you easily. For example, let's say a calling scenario, right? Yep. Or a pinch point scenario where you're just in the wrong spot and they come they're able to get downwind and, and check out what's what's wrong and then they blow it or or they just they skedaddle they're not there anymore and so one thing that i've really tried to focus on is putting myself into a position where getting downwind of of where i'm at is still within shooting range so uh for example uh this past year uh, i had a pond wall or a pond levy to my back and i had shooting you know, I had a shooting lane to the pond. And so, although this deer did not go that direction, um, several other deer did. And what it did was they were trying to get downwind of me or get downwind of this little pinch that this uh, pond levee created. And it's a, kind of a staging area too. So two check boxes there. They, they tried to get down, you know, downwind of me. And I, I, I'm in, it's within shooting range. Yep. And I try to find those types of scenarios where a trail, because if they go too far, then they're not getting the scent. And if they come, um, if they stand too, if they stay too far out, then they're not downwind enough. And so, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like those types of scenarios are just, are killer. If you can find that trap for, you know, for them, because they're usually, if you have a big field or a big uh, finger and you're rattling, man, there's so many deer that you're not even seeing getting downwind to you. And they're oh, so many out. They're out. That's the tough thing about it, man. And, and honestly, whether it's right or wrong, but when I'm rattling, I like to rattle when I, when the wind is blowing, like, let's say I have a cornfield behind me and the wind is blowing in that cornfield that's when I like to rattle a lot Um, because, and I don't know if it's right or wrong or not, but I feel like when a wind like kind of goes into a cornfield, like deer, they're, they're surrounded in cover. Mm -hmm. If they're already there, they're, they might booger out, but like they already feel like they're safe. So if they smell me, it's like, okay, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But um, I feel like when the, 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 the wind gets into that corn, it kind of disperses a little bit and might dissipate that's where my head is <laughs> my yeah. head's at but um i love rattling up against corn when i'm not facing corn when i'm facing away from it and uh the wind's blowing into the corn so yeah. i like that yeah dude i'm starting to get fired up there is <laughs> there's one buck on on the the main farm that i've hunted for like 15 years now that i really hope shows back up there and then there's one well there's multiple deer at the new farm that i got access to but one of them is this this potential four-year-old who could be i mean he was 150 last year as a three-year-old 11 if he does that again man he's that deer that could be of is that i don't know he's that that booner at four 180 at five you know like just his antlers aren't going to stop growing he's going to be he has the genetics to be a freak like just something special and i just want to 
I can't wait to go get my trail cameras out uh, here in early June to catch him on velvet if he's still in the area. So, man, I'm just I'm starting to get I'm starting to get fired up. These conversations are helping, man. Well, and the other thing to get fired up about, Dan, too, is, you know, as we're sitting here recording this, we'll probably know when this, this episode goes, goes live. But I'm going to say either today or tomorrow, we're going to know if we draw Kansas. That's a fact. So yep. that, that's I mix. I think it's going to be by the weekend because yep. you probably got the same email I did. Yep. Um, they already took the money out of my account, you know, and that's the first process they have to make to see if you draw or not. But I'm like, let's go. Like, yeah. all I want to know is if I draw Kansas so I can start making that further plans yep. of, you know, everything. Shit, I might start even packing right now. And we're <laughs> <out>. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm starting to get excited. Um, we're going to shut her down here, but is there any other things that we need to think about from your experiences um, about what to do, what not to do uh, with, uh, with a mature whitetail? Yeah, if you, in, I'm going to try to describe this the best way I can. But if you're ever in an area, like maybe you're hunting or scouting at the time, let's say it's in season, you're trying to get in on this big deer. If you ever have, and you which you will, you'll ever have this this notion of like, man, should I do that? You probably should. Go with your gut. Like, you know, that push the envelope a little bit. Um, these big deer don't tolerate it as much, but you're not going to learn if you don't you know go with your gut and and try some new things so that's what that'd probably be the the thing i would say the most about it yeah i would just end with this try to match their patience as much as possible i don't mm -hmm. feel that a guy who hunts the same farm a hundred days in a row is gonna have any more chance uh, on a mature deer than a guy who has calculated himself and tries to hunt just the perfect like the one or two perfect days yep that makes so, sense man yeah yep well aaron man again appreciate your time uh i'm i'm, I'm kind of now that you brought this up i'm gonna go back i'm gonna check the email i'm gonna read it again for kansas yep. and uh and yeah by the end of the week or hell by this time next week we should know if yep. uh if we're going south or not i can't wait man Sorry, I probably didn't end that the way. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out. Who are we talking to here? Huge shout out to Tethered. Huge shout out to Wasp Vortex Hunt Stand and the Woodman's Pal. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to listen. And most importantly, huge shout out to Aaron. Um, he's doing these every week with me now. And I'll tell you right now. It's, uh, it, you know, it, uh, it takes a lot out of his schedule to do these. So, um, huge shout out to Aaron and, uh, man, hit me up on Instagram, right? I mean, I love talking with you dudes and dudettes. So, uh, hit me up. Let's, let's chat. Let's talk. Let's have a good conversation. And, uh, I, I don't know, dude, I just love talking about deer. If, if you have also shot a big deer or a deer, uh, that has an awesome story behind it or not necessarily a deer but just any animal or any hunting experience and you want to share that check out uh you know let's put that story on the nine finger chronicles man i love sharing those types of stories uh dm me through instagram um that's usually where i'm at the most i'm very rarely on uh, facebook anymore but uh you know we're talking about good vibes these days we need it right uh good vibes in Good vibes out, and if you're going to be in a tree, wear 
your damn safety harness. Have a good week.